steadily down the chair and stairs into the yard and uh, that's it. Um, I believe we have some public speakers. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Andy Bennett uh, and Dr. Margaret Beer, I think more or less on the same subject. Would you like to step forward and take a seat by the public? Oh, and, and Jackie Cheatham, but she'll be a bit later. Thank you. Is she there? Uh, good evening. Uh, my name's Councillor Andy Bennett from Felsted Parish. I'm here with representatives from High Easter and Stebbing. Um, Dr. Margaret Beer from High Easter and I will each be making a statement. In February 2016, Stansted Airport implemented changes to flight path usage. This change was the subject of a NATS proposal and consultation and was approved by the CAA. The change moved daytime flights from the southbound Detling Dover noise preferential route onto the eastbound Clacton route. 86% of the responses to the consultation, including from Uttlesford District Council, said it should not be implemented. We believe the change process was wrong, ill-considered and lacking in genuine consultation. Days after the change was announced, the consultation process itself was found not fit for purpose and is now the subject of its own review. In the CAA's final decision notification, uh, it was summarised that alternatives did exist but were not offered to the consultation. Now, whilst the headline effect of the change was a doubling of flights using the Clacton NPR, the true, the true impact has been a massive increase in flights at the most sensitive times of day, being early morning from 6 o'clock in the morning um, right up until very late at night, midnight and beyond. Those in the east of Felsted Parish are also subjected to noise from both runway directions as the flight paths cross overhead, and so we have no respite irrespective of the wind direction. And worth remembering that with Stansted at only 50% of its current runway capacity, it will get worse. Um, our parishioners are not NIMBYs. They're asking for a return to a fair balance of noise spread rather than its focus on the unfortunate few. We've made representations to the Secretary of State for Transport, Sir Alan Hazelhurst MP, CAA, Stansted Airport and Stack, to have the changes reversed and for respite processes to be introduced to Stansted NPRs, sharing flights across the full three kilometre width. Um, now onto our, our question for you. We're asking UDC to write now to CAA, supporting the parishes impacted by the change in flight path usage from both of the runways 22 and 4. Specifically, we're asking you to call for consideration to be given um, to ways in which increases in noise disruption can be mitigated, whether this change is reversed or not through a review of the existing NPR routings and the use of performance-based navigation to introduce respite. And secondly, and finally, we're asking you to highlight the unconsidered impact of this change and to call for its reversal. And I'd now like to hand across to, uh, to Dr Margaret Beer. My name is Dr. Margaret Beer, a resident of High Easter for 20 years, 
and representing the community of High Easter. Andy has outlined the problems arising from the CAA changes to Stansted flight paths. I agree with his points. High Easter suffers twice as much as the communities of Felstead and Stebbing. The prevailing wind direction means that High Easter gets 70% of the Clacton route traffic, which has doubled due to the CAA changes. By way of illustration, High Easter's annual open-air Shakespeare night this month was made inaudible by the air traffic noise. Councillor Mills was present and can vouch for this. Despite complaining loudly to Nats, Stansted and the CAA, none take direct responsibility, maintaining planes are compliant with current rules. The rules need amending. Noise preferential routes were set in 1989 and these, combined with the current policy of concentrating paths, clearly discriminates against a community like High Easter. Last Friday, we were overflown by some 150 flights, resulting in almost continual disturbance. We had understood that there was a commitment to engage with affected communities to provide respite periods. To date, nothing has been forthcoming. There are various remedies to this issue, for example, making better use of noisy corridors such as the M11. More immediately, there are simple solutions such as varying the points at which planes vector, not aiming for a single beam such as Clacton, and distributing the flights over a number of alternative paths. Our hope is for UDC to support us in advocating such recommendations to the CEA and NATS. The European Convention of Human Rights states everyone is entitled to the peaceful enjoyment of their possessions and also rights and freedoms shall be secured without discrimination on any grounds. Clearly, living near an airport, the form is difficult to attain. However, where options exist to mitigate noise, the policy of discriminating wholly against certain communities like High Easter is not acceptable and needs to be challenged and changed. Finally, there is a renewed level of concern and disquiet with regard to nighttime flights. Stansted has twice the allowance of Heathrow. Between the hours of 11pm and 7am, there is clearly an increase in the number of late arriving, scheduled and cargo flights, which is sufficient to perpetuate sleep disturbance and deprivation. In addition to Andy's question, we ask UDC to write to the CAA and the Department for Transport requesting that nighttime and shoulder period flights should be reduced year on year in the short term and in the longer term there should be a total ban on night flights. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you. I'll ask Councillor Barker to uh, answer those questions. Thank you.
Thank you, Chairman, um, and thank you very much, Mr. Bennett and Dr. Beer, for coming along and sharing your comments. I will declare an interest as a resident of High Easter. Um, I am astonished that we're only looking at a 50% increase in flights. My husband and I sit outside, and it does seem to be relentless, the flights over my house, um, which is two miles out of High Easter, but still at times very difficult to, to hear what's going on. Um, this council, as you've mentioned, supported the retention of the status quo regarding this, and when we responded to the consultation. So I am happy to support a request for consideration of the use of performance-based navigation. Regarding your second request, um, a reversal of the airspace change, I think that's something that needs to be discussed further, and I'm delighted that the leader of the council and the chief executive met with the new manager of Manchester Airport Group last week, and he has agreed to facilitate a three-way meeting between Manchester Air Group, NATS, and yourselves with somebody from the council, if you'd like, to come along. I'd be quite happy to come along to discuss all these issues and see what can be achieved. I apologise. I have been away. I will write you a, a fuller answer. And yes, we are quite happy to make representations on behalf of yourselves and other communities such as Athorpe Roading, who as well feel the impact. So thank you very much for coming along, and we will respond to you fully in writing shortly. Thank you. I would now ask... Um, Mrs. Jackie Cheatham to step forward and speak to us. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman, for allowing me to come and speak on behalf of Takeley Parish Council. I'm talking with regard to Agenda Item 10, the Local Plan Development Strategy. Whilst Takeley Parish Council would probably agree with the proposed principle for dispersal of development hybrid option 5, the Parish Council wishes to raise concerns about committing to such a proposal when there is still no clear strategic plan for infrastructure. The south of the district has taken a disproportionate amount, amount of development in recent years and there is clear evidence that the road network and the provision for schools and GPs are overwhelmed. Due care and attention must be afforded. Certain key villages have taken vast amounts of housing already. Takeley, including Pyres Green, alone took 19% of the development sanctioned in the Area Local Plan 2005, 939 of 5,052 dwellings. The proposal for the Uttlesford's new potential spatial distribution of preferred options states that key villages should take 200 houses, um, as well as new, a new settlement, main towns and Taipei villages. Whilst 2014 withdrawn local plans suggested key villages allocation should be two. 232, Takeley has already delivered over 200 dwellings, all the allocations of all the key villages for the entire new plan period. Sorry. We therefore request that the Council look very carefully at where they allocate the next round of houses to key villages in Uttlesford. And before they do the allocations, they need to have an infrastructure plan in place. And I understand that this depends on other agencies. 
but it does need to be there so that the areas they nominate do not get swamped with more housing that they cannot cope with because of infrastructure failings. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs. Cheatham. Uh, would Councillor Barker answer to that? Thank you. thank you very much, Chairman, and thank you, Councillor Cheatham, for coming along this evening. Um, we have an item, as you say, on our agenda later tonight um, regarding the local plan development strategy. Following, hopefully, that of being agreed this evening, we will be sending out to all towns and parish councils a letter explaining the, the structure that we will be following and asking them to respond to us with sites or comments about our plan and why they think that sites should be allocated in their villages or towns or should not be allocated in the villages and towns. Those letters will also be going to the district and county councillors for the relevant parishes and towns. Um, I do appreciate there are areas, apart from Dumbo and Saffron Warden, that have taken a lot of houses, and I would class Takeley, Thaxted and Elsnam um, as, as those who have taken whatever. And I think in the case of Takeley, it has been incredibly difficult because apart from Priors Green, as the County Councillor for Takeley, I'm fully aware that all the little bits of infill development have caused an enormous amount of infrastructure deficit in the village with a lot of traffic, a lot of movements, a lot of traffic lights, which I've had so many complaints about, and a lot of different little bits of development. Um, you are protected in some way by the outcome of the Countryside Protection Zone review that we did, um, but we will take all parishes and towns' comments into account when we look at where we distribute the houses. So please make sure that the parish chairman and the parish clerk are aware that they will shortly be getting a letter from us. And I know it's difficult because it is holiday time, but even if it means that parishes need to call an extra meeting to decide how to respond to this, we would appreciate a response from as many parishes as possible. Thank you. I think regarding infrastructure, um, as you are aware, some money has been spent on the street in Takeley to alleviate some of the through traffic. I think there are still problems with lorries there. Um, I think we have uh, a particular company which chooses to use that route rather than the preferred route through the town. I think we need to look at talking to Stasdard Airport about the possibility of opening up Cooper's End to stop some of your through traffic. Uh, but we need to be rigorous in making sure that, where appropriate, large lorries and things cannot go through the village. And we will be, hopefully, in our plan, putting forward a site in Dumbo for a health centre. But as you know, and many people in this room know only too well, we can put a site forward for a health centre, but we cannot require the NHS to build it, and we cannot require a doctor to run it. But we will do our utmost. Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I think we have good news for, for former UDC Councillor um, uh, Cheatham in that uh, in the current process the, the, the planning policy work, working group is working rigorously and, and carefully on providing the evidence and this does involve getting the infrastructure right. Um, I am rather amazed that Councillor Cheatham having in under the previous administration when possibly the work was not as rigorous as it is at the moment managed to foist a number of unsuitable developments on Saffron Walden in particular and at times even misled the planning committee in doing so and I find it incredibly hypocritical that she'd be standing up and saying this now. Um, 
All right, and we'll now move on to apologies. Um, I have councillors Lemon, Lufflin, and Riles. Are there any other? Councillor Goddard? Councillor Tina Knight. Anyone else? Uh, Councillor Anjum. Thank you. Could I ask for any de declarations of interest, please? Three there. I'll start with uh, Councillor Asker. Thank you. As a member of Saffron Warden Town Council. Councillor Morris. Thank you, Chairman. Also a member of Saffron Warden Town Council. And Councillor Freeman. Uh, Saffron Warden Town Council. And Councillor Fairhurst. And Councillor Fairhurst. Member of Saffron Warden Town Council. Any other declarations? Thank you. Minutes have been circulated. Uh, is it in order that uh, we f uh, they are correct? Could I have any? If so, uh, I will sign those. Thank you. Um, and moving on um, to matters of rising, I'll go through the pages and anybody can speak if they wish to. So, page one. Page 2, page 3, page 4, page 5, page 6, and page 7. Thank you. Jones. Councillor Jones. Chairman, can I just draw the administration's uh, attention to the fact that uh, it's all very well uh, those that have paper copies to refer to them by page number. They don't tie up with what's on my PC. Thank you. I have some announcements to make uh, in uh, my activities over the last month or so, um, starting with a, su a summer concert for the Mayor of Havering, Saffron Warden Rotary Book Awards, uh, tea parties to celebrate Her Majesty the Queen's 90th birthday at Takeley, Saffron Warden, uh, and uh, I attended the uh, garden party at Bridge End. Uh, for the High Sheriff. Also, I attended civic services uh, for the mayors of Chelmsford and Brentwood and attended a Village of the Year Awards programme at Chelmsford City Racecourse. Uh, Rural Housing Week, I attended at Hatfield Heath, Ashton and Wimbish, planting trees and uh, sitting on a new bench. Uh, attended the Thaxted Festival Jazz Concert, which was extremely good, uh, and attended uh, an AGM and showcasing event at Screens Park, Chelmsford, for the Cat Scouts. Uh, also attended uh, the Mayor of Bishop Stortford's Garden Party um, and 
hosted a garden party at Eastern Lodge. I shall be hosting a garden party at Eastern Lodge this coming Friday. So I'd be very pleased if you could attend. Thank you. I now ask the leader to speak. Thank you, Chairman, and uh, good evening, colleagues. Um, we haven't met since um, the uh, referendum, and uh, we all know the outcome. I don't intend to go anywhere near that. We didn't before. They certainly won't do it afterwards. Uh, but clearly, um, there might be repercussions. I say might. Uh, and one of those repercussions might well be that uh, our um, financial position gets even tighter than it currently is. I think all councillors are aware that um, we are okay this year, we're okay next year, and then we hit a challenge of about three quarters of a million pounds. Uh, that carries through for a further year and then that rises up to 900, then a million pounds. So uh, there are challenges ahead. And, um, we, as you know, have, have talked about uh, how we intend to deal with that, and I'll repeat that tonight. Uh, we've got four strands to our strategy. The first two are around income, uh, both uh, in terms of the income we can take from the taxpayer and the income that we can generate ourselves through our own organisation, Aspire, which I think all councillors are familiar with. And Aspire is get, moving towards its first uh, uh, operational um, project, and of course we'll keep councillors very much in the loop on that. So those are two of the four. The other, the other two are around efficiency and effectiveness, and I do distinguish between the two. So the efficiency is, is running this organisation to its, its optimum efficiency. Uh, we do a good job to that on that, but you're never perfect and no organisation sits back and relaxes uh, about its efficiency. The, effect, the other one of slightly uh, deeper than that uh, is this organisation in the correct shape uh, for the years to come and, and that we will give a lot of thought to and obviously work together with co councillor colleagues. That's my first point chairman. My second point is around the local plan. Um, there will be, we had a very successful workshop on the structure of our plan uh, and I think members appreciated that, gave them an opportunity to look in great, greater detail uh, at officer recommendations before any vote or anything else was taken. So we intend to do the same thing on and then 7.30 to 9 for the Q&A. And those dates are 14th of September in Saffron Walden, 20th of September in Dunmo, and 28th of September in Stansted. Um, Councillor Barker has already referred to the letter that is going out to all parish councils. And we've sent it to both the clerks and the chairman, uh, but definitely to you as well. So I do encourage you to uh, chivy the parish councils along about this. Um, and it, it, it came out of Planning Policy Working Group, but it's something that this council has uh, you know, wanted to do. As soon as we have come to our conclusion tonight, and clearly I can't uh, predict that at this stage, but subject to the outcome of that, uh, we will write to all councils to say, 
we're going to have to find homes for these uh, houses, but where would you like them? And we know that there are communities who want more housing, uh, and it seems absurd to put them in Site X when Site Y actually wants them. Uh, and, and I think uh, uh, parish and town councils are quite mature on this, and I, and I think we'll address it. The timetable is tight. Uh, they have to be in by the 2nd of September. Most parish councils aren't meeting in August. We appreciate that. I'm afraid you'll have to have a special meeting. Uh, and within the letter, I refer to one other item, which is rural exception sites. Uh, this district has a proud record, and uh, the chairman has referred to the sessions that he attended. I went to uh, the Ashton one, which celebrated 25 years of uh, the first rural exception site in Uttlesford. Um, and we've got to keep that momentum going, because this is, these are homes for local people at affordable prices, and by that I mean probably affordable rents, but obviously some of them are shared ownership as well. So they really are pivotal to our rural community, and more can be done bluntly. It is a partnership, it's got to be a partnership between the district council, the parish council, the landowner, um, and of course the housing association. But I do encourage you, we've mentioned it in the letter, I do encourage you to push that with your communities. It doesn't apply, I'm afraid, to the two towns, but it does to all the villages. Um, my third point is uh, devolution, to give you a very brief update on that. Obviously the change of administration, uh, the previous uh, um a um, strategy was really driven by the Chancellor of the Exchequer uh, in terms of directly, ele directly elected mayors. We don't know whether that's going to soften. So a group of six Essex leaders, including myself, will meet in Uttlesford on Thursday with the two key officials from DCLG to discuss uh, what room there is to manoeuvre around directly elected mayors, which is a bit of a sticking point, bluntly, uh, for Essex as a whole, um, and uh, whether there's been any change of direction by the government. And finally, Chairman, uh, I, I'd like to make an announcement that um, we do want to get to three hour, uh, maximum three-hour parking on the common in Saffron Walden as quickly as possible. Uh, these things take an irritatingly long time. Uh, and we've now said, as from August the 1st, uh, we will not... Um, take any kind of action against uh, those people who uh, stay uh, no longer than three hours. So you'll pay for two hours, get your third hour free. If you then charge your arm after that, then, then, then you come under the same rules and regulations. So effectively, from August the 1st, the three-hour rule comes into play. Thank you, Chairman. We now come to members' questions to the leader. No, executive statement. Oh, sorry, executive statement. My fault. I thought it came under six when, in fact, it comes under five. Uh, Chairman, councillors, I wanted to make just a very short um, statement, uh, and I won't repeat the comments that the leader has made, but I'm pleased to announce that the accounts for 2015-16 have been audited and the councils received an unqualified opinion for the eighth successive year. The councils also received an unqualified opinion for our value for money, and this is for the sixth consecutive year. I don't wish to prejudge the decision of the Performance and Audit Committee, but the full audit, audit uh, results will go to the um, uh, Performance and Audit uh, Committee on Thursday, hopefully for their approval. Um, I'd like to point out also, while I'm on my feet, that the, um, the draft accounts were completed and submitted to the external auditors on the 9th of June, which was three weeks ahead of the statutory deadline, and they were completed by the 21st of July. 
Uh, this is in line with our overall plan to ensure that we can adjust our timetable for meeting new statutory deadlines for the 31st of May. Um, I'd like to put on record my thanks to, to Mr Webb and to, to Mrs Angela Knight and for the wider finance team for their hard work over recent months. I appreciate it's always a challenge, um, but they've done exceptionally well this year. Um, I will touch very briefly on a point that the Leader has made. There are a number of very important consultations outstanding at the moment. We're still awaiting the, the outcome of the new Homes Bonus consultation. It seems to have dragged on for a very, very long time. The outcome of that consultation will have a significant impact on the finances uh, of this Council. There are two other significant consultations that will take place during the early autumn, which is a consultation on business rates and, and a second one on the uh, fair funding. Um, I'm keen, as the, as the Leader has said, to ensure that all councillors are fully aware and understand what the implications of those consultations and their outcomes will be on this council and its finances. And, and I'm hoping that we can have a, uh, a councillor uh, workshop or some form of um, similar briefing during the early autumn so we can brief people and keep people up to speed on, on things. Thank you. Thank you. Uh we will now um, go on to questions for the leader. Thank you. Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, it's really for Councillor Rolf. Thank you very much for your uh, brief response on the issue of parking. That's an ingenious solution, I have to say. You give away the third hour for free. Um, I would Not appreciate. Forever, I, might I understand <laughs> that, yes, but anything for free is good. Um, I'd appreciate, obviously, a written response to the. Uh, letter that I wrote to you, and I'm sure that will come in due course. Can I also entreat you to um, make sure there's adequate signage to the effect that the third hour is free, because nobody's going to believe a market trader telling them that the third hour is free. <laughs> you need it to be a bit more official than that, but I, I think that's an ingenious solution. And well done for that. Thank you. Did you want me to respond to that at all? You'll, you'll certainly get your written response. But, uh, Just agree it, to a written response and put yeah, a sign on the common car park, please. And this is obviously an interim measure, and hopefully the, the, the proper process will be conducted as quickly as possible. When it'll be, yep. Councillor Foley. Thank you. Uh, um, MAG and, and the Stansted Airport and uh, the LSCC, I think it's the London Stansted Cambridge Consortium, or Corridor Consortium, um, have recently been uh, in the newspapers uh, saying that they're keen to, in the next two years, go to the government with the possibility of an extra runway being on the, uh, on, on the agenda again. I know that it was reported in the press, and it's it's um, it's been uh, it's been it's, it's been reported in uh, uh, I believe uh, the local television as well. This summer, uh, leader, the Eastons, Dutton Hill, and Thaxted, like other parts of, uh, of of the district, have been plagued with terrible levels of aircraft noise, particularly at night. And now that the airport owners and 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 groups like London Stansted Cambridge Corridor Consortium. <laughs> Um, have set their sights on uh, bringing this to the table. Would, be a, would this not be a good time uh, uh, for the council to make it clear our uh, position again, uh, particularly to MAG and the LSCC, that we will fight any attempt uh, on a second runway and, uh, and uh, that we uh, are, 
that we are very concerned by the increased uh, levels of disturbance, particularly at night, to our residents. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Councillor Foley. There's quite a few uh, questions wrapped up in that one. So yeah. <laughs> uh, let me just uh, deal with Uttlesford's position. Absolutely unequivocal. Um, 365 days a year, 24-7, we are against a second runway. MAG know that. LSEC know that. Everybody knows that. Um, we can't stop them chancing their arm, but they're crystal clear. I have never read, actually, that MAG are lobbying. I'm sure they'd like a second runway, but publicly they're on the position of at least extending on their existing runway. But nevertheless, of course we'll do that. I mean, this council is absolutely united on that position. Your second point around the new flight path and the inconvenience that's causing to certain areas of our community, Councillor Barker has dealt with, and I won't repeat. It's not just the new flight path. It's the general level. We've already had trouble for a long time, but it's greater now. Sorry for. It, 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 this, uh, the point, uh, the, the Councillor Barker's last point in terms of a tripartite meeting, uh, which will include Nats, to be fair, but with MAG and the communities affected, um, it will take place, and hopefully we will endeavour to iron out some of those problems, uh, because you're talking about night flights as well, as you say, increased levels as, 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 as well as change of flight path. As far as um, the um, corridor and the growth commission is concerned, I think in this council I predicted that they would pretty much come out with that. Uh, we know that we live halfway between the phenomena of Cambridge and the phenomena of London. And uh, we also know that if Cambridge was on the west coast of America, it would have a population of around 2 million. So it was inevitable that the Commission said, if you want to make this phenomena work, you're going to have to improve the infrastructure. And infrastructure includes housing, includes rail, road, airports. So it was no surprise. Um, and uh, I think we'd all um, share the improvement to the rail service, uh, probably to the road service and certainly the point made about infrastructure to any further housing development we absolutely take that on board uh, I've made the point about the second runway I think what councillors should be aware is that uh, currently MAG have permission up to 35 million passengers a year it won't be long before they come asking to extend that to 40, 42 millions and council needs to think about what its position is um, and um, we wouldn't give up anything without getting a hell of a lot back. So, on the basis that, um, that we can take our position on 42 million, but there would clearly be a price to pay for that, which would be a benefit to our community. So we need to have a think about that. Have I answered all your points? Yes, thank you. And when, when we do uh, require uh, things in return, and I understand after 20 odd years uh, seeing these things that night flights would uh, as, as you've already heard from the places that are being so badly affected would be I would uh, suggest should be high on the list Yes, I, I think there are two categories obviously part, part, part of it is cash for infrastructure and um, Junction 8 comes to mind but there's a lot more than just that but uh, other people have raised uh, you know, the £3 charge to pick somebody up from the airport uh, would that be part of the negotiation? Night flights, part of the negotiation? So, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot to, uh, to put into that discussion. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Um, 
I have a, 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 it concerns a quotation in last week's uh, Walden Local, um, rather small writing, but I will do my best. It concerns the, the previous plan and a link road between Radwinter and Thaxted Roads. Uh, this was proposed but was dependent on three developments. One has planning permission, one was turned down on appeal, and one has not hitherto been put forward. It then finishes by saying, although I understand that this may change, now, we members of, uh, of this council and the PPWG um, rely on, on officers to, uh, to make these decisions and, uh, and make proposals to us, and, and uh, certainly we are uh, very much discouraged from talking to developers. So I wondered if the leader could reassure us that he hasn't, in fact, been in contact with the developers and that he's been possibly wrongly quoted. Um, as Councillor Lodge is aware, um, I have made it my policy, and I'm sticking absolutely rigorously to it, that I speak to no developer. Uh, so that answers that point. Uh, it is in the public domain that uh, the third application is at pre-app stage. Uh, and I qualified my words most carefully, which is, I believe. So um, I stand by what I said. Next item seven, um, <coughs> matters about joint arrangements and external organisations. I uh, understand there have been none put forward. Item eight, matters received from committees and working groups. There are none. So we move on to item nine, local strategic partnership and uh, refer to the leader. Thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You'll remember that we have uh, previously had um, uh, each of the four working groups presenting um, to this council, and I think that was helpful. Um, we had a meeting last Friday on the chairs, as we do on a quarterly basis, and um, good work continues, and I think we're going to touch on some of the community safety partnership in, in one of the motions later on, um, and possibly with the youth work as well. Um, but uh, without going into all the detail, good work carries on. So in conclusion, um, what, uh, what we need to make sure, uh, uh, and the chairs of the uh, four work streams want to make sure, is that there is an improved dialogue between them and the council. It's, it's okay to come and make a, a you know, periodic presentation, but it needs, needs to be not, a much more two-way uh, dialogue. So uh, we're working on that, and I'll, um, we, we will come back to you with, with how that might work without uh, overburdening you with reports and all the rest of it. But um, one of the things that we did discuss was to create some themes through their work, because a lot of their work overlaps. And um, this needs to be worked up, but the genesis of the idea is around living well. So that is starting well for young people and everything that feeds into that. It's about staying well. I dare, you know, may I hesitate to say, probably the people in this room in that category. Um, and then ageing well, some of you may feel in that category, but uh, for, for, for them as well too. So, so that we're looking through people's life experience, the Health and Wellbeing Board feeds into that, uh, the, um, the employment, uh, environment, transport work feeds into that, certainly the CSP feeds into that, and very much children and families feed into that. So what we want are some, uh, you know, some particular uh, pieces of work, because we want outcomes, um, and um, 
as I say, that, that they, they will feed into that. So some of the issues um, that we talked about, for example, we still have child poverty uh, in this community. Um, clearly there is a concern uh, around uh, dementia and particularly mental health. Who's looking after the carer? Um, the demand for community transport has soared. And this is, again, something that we need to um, uh, need to address as well. So those are the main points, uh, Chairman. Um, uh, Professor Peter Fenton, the Chair of the Health and Wellbeing Board, is standing down. We're currently looking for a replacement chair. It would be an independent person. Um, and uh, we have a new um, Chief Executive of uh, the... Um, help me here, Eric, the Uttlesford Voluntary... Council for Voluntary Services, Attleford, CVSU, thank you very much. Uh, and the new chairman is uh, Clive Emmett, so he attended his first meeting, delighted to meet him, very important area of work. Okay, thank you, chairman. We now move on to item 10, local plan development strategy, and I call on Councillor Barker. Thank you, chairman. Um, chairman, this can either be a very quick item or we can talk about it all night. Um, it has been a very well rehearsed item. As Councillor Rolfe has made mention, we had a workshop uh, where we looked at five potential strategies for moving forward with our local plan. And these were broadly that we contained all of the new development in new settlements, that we put the, the remaining 4,500 homes that we need to find in our main towns, that we put them solely in villages, that we put them in our main towns and villages, or a hybrid which meant that we looked at new settlement or settlements, the main towns and the villages to deliver the housing. As you're aware, we are looking at delivering about 12,500 houses over the plan period, but of those, around 8,000 have already been built or they have been allocated and have planning permission in one form or another. The working group, the planning policy working group and the cabinet have all decided and all agreed that they felt that scenario five, the hybrid scenario, was the best way to move forwards. And there are, you'll find, with the recommendation on page two, a number of caveats to that. And the following conditions are stipulated as part of the adoption of scenario five. Firstly, that the five-year land supply is available. Secondly, that the required building rate can be maintained. That infrastructure in existing towns and villages will be enhanced and taken into account in planning developments wherever possible and that garden city principles will be used and an application made to the government for funding. At one of our meetings, I think it was the Planning Policy Working Group, but it may have been at Cabinet, it was suggested that we should have a fallback scenario. And I believe Councillor Dean suggested that fallback scenario should be scenario four, <coughs> which was a combination of development in main towns and villages. That is only, only in the circumstance that it becomes impossible to proceed with a new settlement or settlements. That was very positively the preferred way forward in all of these meetings, and that would be what I would recommend to this council. I'm happy to answer any questions, Chairman. We had 22 out of the 39 members of the council at the workshop. There was very little movement away from the hybrid settlement. We did feel that most of the others were unworkable. Um, the same happened at the Planning Policy Work Group and again at Cabinet. So happy to propose that the preferred strategy for the local plan is Scenario 5, a hybrid distribution strategy, new settlement or settlements, main towns and villages. Thank you, Chairman. We have a proposal. Is there a seconder? Uh, could I make something first, please? Sorry. Could I say something first, please? 
Well, Councillor Ranger, did you want to speak? No, Chairman. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, uh, thank you, Chair. Um, my uh, concern is about um, scenario four, uh, the, the, the fallback. That appears to me to be rather similar to the failed 2014 plan. Yes, we're told it's only going to happen if the first choice, the hybrid choice, becomes impossible. Now, obviously, if you want something to fail, uh, it's quite easy to make it impossible. I, I quote as an example um, owners of uh, commercial property sites who make every possible effort to sell their sites for commercial use and then find it utterly impossible and most reluctantly have to apply for permission for housing. Um, at the workshop, which I thought was very, was very good, uh, obviously we all, we all went for scenario five, which I'm very happy with, but the question about nominating uh, uh, this backup option, that was not, not I recall, put. Uh, my belief is that setting up this sort of failure option, similar to the rejected plan, is probably ill-advised and not necessary. And it's giving the lead that if scenario five gets a bit difficult, which I suspect it probably will, then it's sort of okay, we can go back two years, we've got a backup plan and that's absolutely fine. I feel that is the wrong message. So Chair, please listen. Could I please request that we take this vote in two parts? That we have a, a vote for whether we're happy with, with um, scenario five and a vote for whether we also want uh, a scenario four uh, backup option to give those of us who don't want scenario four the option to have our say. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Freeman, I think you wanted to speak. Yes, I certainly do, sir, Chairman. Thank you. Um, I, too, was a member of the workshop, and it uh, really came out with the only possible conclusion, which is now uh, deemed to be Scenario 5. Um, the problem that I have with that is exactly the same as that of my colleague, Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, it's very easy to, for things to fail. They can fail for all sorts of reasons. Uh, but the fact is that single settlements in Uttlesford have not come forward, and there are very good reasons for that. Uh, they require substantial logistic support on the part of the developers. Most developers cannot handle single developments. If you look at all the examples, they actually require a lot of support. And actually, from the point of view of our officers, uh, they also require a very high level of um, ability and competence amongst the officers who are required to support this. Now, we're a small council. Uh, we don't have a lot of experience. In fact, we have no experience in encouraging single settlements to take place. I am very much a supporter of single settlements, but I fear that they could fail simply because they're hard to do. And the other problem with a single settlement, Chairman, uh, is that they cost more per unit than tacking uh, some more houses on the side of an existing town or large village uh, in a field that some farmer wants to sell and that the planning committee is willing to give them consent, for which the planning committee is willing to give them consent. It's a much easier option to develop a field next door to an existing settlement, tack into their sewage supplies, tack into their roads, tack into their infrastructure, so-called, even if you overload it, then put a new one in place. New ones are hard 
They're very difficult. And if that's going to work, if hybrid five, option five, the hybrid option is going to work, then let's be in no mistake about this, it's going to require a substantial amount of support by this council, from this chamber, but also from its officers, and in particular, of course, the weight will fall on the planning officers. And we have to be prepared for that, and I don't think we are. Just saying that's what's going to happen isn't sufficient. So I'm very much in favour of not having a fallback position, because the thing about a fallback position is it's quite easy to fall back to it. Um, if uh, your original dream did not come true, I'm very much in favour of single settlements. I think they could be made to work. But it's very easy to say, oh, we'll have a, a, um, um, a model village or a garden village. These things just don't drop out of the sky. All of our garden cities have come about with a substantial amount of land which was basically given to them by some means or another. Farmers don't give land away. There are serious problems to garden cities and garden villages probably don't exist at all. So there's a lot of work in option five. I support it. I have no problem with supporting it. But actually having a fallback option I think would be foolish because that is where we'll end up and that will be the same as the place we've been for the last 20 years on this council, Chairman. Thank you. Um, yeah, I take note of the comments. Uh, it's uh, not often that I stand up and defend uh, one of Councillor Dean's suggestions. Um, it wasn't actually the administration that put that uh, fallback it, uh, forward, uh, and I'm sure Councillor Dean will say his own words in a moment. But we were perfectly happy uh, to include that, because with respect, Council, you're forgetting one crucial thing. We have to put these houses somewhere. So I absolutely reject that we're going to go flip-floppy into a single settlement. We're going to go full-blooded because that is what this council, if it does, wants to deliver. So there's, there's, there's no uh, point of equivocation here. It's, 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 it's absolutely crystal clear that's what we're going for. But, and the fundamental word which Councillor Barker emphasised so there's no misunderstanding, it becomes impossible it's a pretty strong term. Impossible. This council's got to say, agree, it's impossible. And if it became impossible, they've got to go somewhere. So you've got to have a fallback position. So we're dealing semantics with respect. Um, and uh, I thought it was a perfectly legitimate point that Councillor Dean put forward. Um, I am committed to what the council wants, which is a hybrid solution. I will put all my energy behind that. I know the offices are. They're already in discussion with Garden City Developments. With respect, the landowner doesn't give the land but it's a partnership in terms of developing it. It's happening elsewhere uh, in, the, in Essex, as you know. Um, Colchester, Tendring and Braintree have come together. Uh, it's starting to happen in East Hearts. So these things are taking shape. Uh, officers uh, have been in discussion with uh, Garden City uh, people for some time, but obviously that uh, discussion has intensified. Um, so, and we will be picking the brains of those authorities that uh, have got where they have already. So we're, we're four square behind, but please, don't end up uh, with no solution at all. Uh, we're going for option five with all our energy, but if that became impossible, then we have to fall back on something. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> well, first of all, I'd like to uh, assure Councillor Hargreaves that uh, scenario five or scenario four is not option four. In other words, you referred back to the old uh, local plan, and of course, option four was the 
Elsnam development, which was largely what undermined that. This is not the same thing at all. <laughs> so just, just to clear that one. No, well, no, the reason I, I put this forward was just simply that, picking up Councillor Freeman's point, yes, it's true that we, we haven't done a new settlement in Uttlesford before, but there are a number of, there are a lot of unknowns at the moment because we haven't started. Um, one, of the, one of the issues that um, troubled me, or one of the factors that we still haven't got down to talking about, is one, numbers. Um, at the moment, we, we are still living within the regime where we have to maintain a five-year land supply. By going for a, a new settlement with part of the remaining 4,600 houses isn't the same as putting all your eggs in one basket, but we would, would have to work out how many would be going from that 4,600 during this planned period and at the same time maintain a, a five-year land supply throughout the planned period. So there is a, there's a risk there, and I know there's something in, in, in legislation or in government guidance which says that there might be an opt-out if you go for a garden settlement in terms of having to maintain a five-year land supply, but that, I think, needs to be understood clearly before walking in with our eyes closed. So, that, so that's one, just one factor. Can we get the numbers right to be um, uh, being rolled out over the, between now and 2033? And, and the other one, that we, again, because we haven't got down to looking at detail and how one would go about it, in my mind, we, we still have to ask our question how many homes does a new settlement need for it to be a sustainable development rather than you know, a tiny little housing estate in the middle of nowhere for a long period and, that, and that's the worst thing possible so you have to shall we say feed a new settlement at an adequately fast rate in order that it becomes a livable community as quickly as possible and, and we haven't yet sat down and done the sums as to how many one would need from the start period throughout between whenever it starts in 2033 to make it work. Now it's possible, and I don't know, it's possible that that means, could mean a major change to the total number of houses we would be developing during, the local plan, during this local plan period. I don't know. So again, that's, that's one of the reasons why there are those caveats there that have, that have been put into it. Um, and and you know, there is a question about infrastructure. We've got to be satisfied that the infrastructure is deliverable and it's not, not necessarily just infrastructure at a new settlement but we've, we've heard this evening from Councillor Cheatham about infrastructure issues already at places like Takeley and there are, there are infrastructure issues in Saffron Walden and in Stansted. So we've got to get down to the detail before we can see whether it all stacks up. Hence I suggested that and, and, and the other factor is that I'd, I think that we, we, don't, we ought not to have ourselves um, in hock to a single settlement developer until we're satisfied what's being called. Otherwise, you know, we might be, I won't say, you know, we might end up with something we don't want. So, so for that reason, it seems to me that 
although we, we should be pushing hard for it, and, and I agree with what the leader said and everybody else, we should be pushing hard, we ought at least to say we have thought about a fallback, and rather than scenarios one, two, three, and three, four makes more sense than any other. But, you know, I, I'm, I, I hope we don't get there, but it's, it's sending out a signal that we are, you know, we mean business. We have to deliver a, a deliverable local plan. Five is the first choice, and only if necessary. And whether it's you know, however one defines impossible, we will slip back to four. So that's where it's coming from. No, no Machiavellian plot or anything like that. Thank you, Councillor Dean. I believe Councillor Asker wishes to speak. Thank you, Chairman. Um, it's a question to Councillor Rolf, really. Um, you're very positive on your statement that this is, it's, you know, as Councillor Barker said, it's almost impossible. Can I ask you then, if, if that's how you feel and you come across very positively that it's impossible virtually that anything can go wrong, um, what in your mind uh, represents an impossibility to cause this not to work? No, you, you put it with respect slightly the other way around. Um, I didn't say it was impossible. I said if it became impossible. So it's actually a different point. Uh, so if it uh, becomes impossible, um, no, no site is put forward, um, but we know that a number have been, so we've overcome that. Um, that it becomes uh, that there's no um, willingness to develop those sites, highly unlikely. Um, so those are the sort of scenarios that it, you know, it becomes impossible for logistic reasons that there's no developer or landowner who is willing to put that forward. But as I say, um, we've already had an indication that's not the case. But I'm not saying it's impossible. We're saying if, if it were to be impossible. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. First of all, I, I, um, I very much support uh, Councillor Hargreaves' proposal, whilst having great sympathy with the concerns of, uh, of Councillor Deed. However, um, we know there are going to be a, lot of, uh, an, a, a tremendous amount of work to be done on this, many discussions. However, I have a logistics problem. If we get to the stage where it proves impossible, the likelihood is that will be some months or even a year or so down the line by which time we would have gone to the planning inspector and he hopefully would have approved scenario five. So how then do we go back? What are the logistics for having this backup plan? I can't see uh, a logistical situation where we can do that. Uh, and, and so I see uh, option four as being futile. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. I have Councillor Light. Yes, thank you, Chair. Uh, I have a question, actually, that um, I feel needs to be considered. There's a new environment uh, post-Brexit, and I was wondering what uh, thought, what uh, research has been uh, conducted by the working group into thinking about um, will all these houses actually be required? Are we looking uh, at a, the same scenario that we were looking at two months ago? If there are going to be any differences, what might they be and how will they impact on us? Thank you. Shall I take that, Chairman? Um, there are a number of conflicting... First of all, we're not going to know the answer to that for at least two years until the outcome of the discussions. Uh, the second point is that, obviously, the, um, the, um, 
Schmar is, is working on uh, the movement that's happened hitherto uh, on current populations, not predicting the future uh, necessarily. Um, and uh, thirdly, you've got a clue from the new Prime Minister who seems even more committed on building houses than the last Prime Minister. So uh, at the moment, uh, we, we follow the last instruction uh, in answer to your question. But when you come to do the next plan, if you're still around to do it, um, then that might well be a factor. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, <clears throat> in answer to um, the remarks made by Councillor Lodge, I would suggest that uh, what we are about here is uh, trying to prepare a local plan, a new local plan, which will be uh, in the course of time will be judged by the inspectors as sound. Um, I have a nasty suspicion that if you put a plan in front of the inspectors that goes with one option only, with no alternatives or possibilities um, in another direction, should, that, um, should certain uh, uh, contingencies arise, then I think that plan itself would be considered unsound. And so I think Councillor Lodge's point about getting down the line eight or nine months with one uh, with only a one-option plan um, is not, uh, some, not feasible, just wouldn't happen. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Hicks. I'll now call on Councillor Barker to uh, conclude. So, the proposals here are set out on page 13, I believe it is, of your recommendation, and I'll read them out once again, that the proposed strategy for the local plan is Scenario 5, a hybrid distribution strategy of new settlement or settlements, main towns and villages, as attached at the appendix to the report, and that contingency is built into the plan to allocate further homes if necessary. The following conditions are stipulated as part of the adoption of Scenario 5. Firstly, that a five-year land supply is available. Secondly, that the required building rate can be maintained that infrastructure in existing towns and villages will be enhanced and taken into account in planning developments wherever possible, and that garden city principles will be used and application made to government for funding. Finally, that scenario four, a combination of development in main towns and villages, excluding a new settlement, will become the fallback position if scenario five cannot be adopted, but only in the circumstance that it becomes impossible to proceed with a new settlement or settlements. Thank you, Chairman. I so propose. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Well, we have a proposal and a seconder, so I will now take it to the vote. Those in favour of the, of the proposal? Those against? Thank you. The case is carried. Thank you. Oh, it was an abstention. Three abstentions. Thank you. Four abstentions. Right. The next item on the agenda is item uh, eleven. Sorry. Councillor Lodge. Councillor Lodge. 
Uh, there was a proposal for uh, an amendment to that extension. How, 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 how does that – that doesn't seem to have been uh, properly debated or voted on. I just wonder what the, the situation was on that. Well, as far as I could see, the, the, amendment, the, the uh, 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 suggested amendment wasn't actually proposed. We now move on to item 11, uh, and I'll go back to the leader. Thank you. So, thank you, Chairman. Um, you've read the paper, so I don't need to repeat that. Um, our um, Assistant Chief Executive Legal, Michael Perry, uh, takes retirement, I believe, at the end of next week, Michael. Um, and uh, during the interim, um, it is proposed that the Council appoints Mrs Christina Oliver as a monitoring officer for the Council and gives her delegated power to grant dispensations under Section 33 Local Government Act 2011 to district, parish and town councillors who have disclosable pecuniary interest to speak and or vote on issues relating to such interests and to grant dispensations under the Code of Conduct to district, parish and town councillors with other pecuniary interests to speak and or vote on issues relating to such interests. We have to have a monitoring officer. We cannot exist without one. This is an interim solution and I beg the Council uh, to support this recommendation. Uh, just while I'm on my feet, uh, I did say it at the last Council meeting, but I'd very much like to repeat it. Michael has been with this Council for nearly 15 years and has given us tremendous service. And uh, I would just like to put on record our very grateful thanks for all your work, Michael, your help on legal matters, and uh, your advice to all of us as and when we need it. And we wish you a very happy and long retirement. Thank you. I seconded the recommendation. No, no, there is a second one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. And that the powers delegated to the Assistant Chief Executive legal by the Council scheme of delegation be delegated to Mrs Oliver. It's uh, part of the same point. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, uh, I have much pleasure in seconding that recommendation. Uh, and on so doing, uh, as Chairman of Licensing and the Leader of the Council when we appointed uh, Mr Perry, can I say on behalf of the residents of Uttlesford as well as the members, we thank Mr Perry for all the hard work he's put in. We haven't always agreed with what he's told us, but he has always been truthful and dead straight. So perhaps uh, I personally, and I hope from all the members of the Council and indeed the residents, to thank Mr Perry very much for all his hard work and loyalty to the Council and wish him and his happy and his family a very happy and long retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, I, I certainly have uh, no problems in supporting that with respect to uh, Michael Perry. Um, I always felt that he was rather lost to the academic world because he was a very good teacher of principles of law. Some of the best instructions I've had were from uh, Michael Perry and uh, I shall miss those. Um, but I would like, uh, and I also have no problems at all obviously with Christina Oliver being appointed monitoring officer and taking over the role. But this council chairman is facing significant challenges, uh, mainly perhaps from the pressure on development control. Uh, and we need a fully fledged legal department 
to deal with that. Uh, on Thursday, I'm meeting with officers, with a developer who thus far has not committed this, uh, discharged their Section 106 agreements. This is not uncommon. It's an important factor. And we need firm legal guidance and firm legal hand to deal with this. Of course, developers have large legal departments, very well funded. We are a small council. So my question is, are we going to reinforce the legal faculty in this council? Or are we, in other words, is Michael Perry going to be replaced? Or are we going to stay with the staff that we have in place at the moment? Uh, I'll ask the uh, Chief Exec to uh, answer that. So if I can reassure members that uh, Mr Perry will be replaced. This is an interim measure where Mrs Oliver will be taking over and indeed we, will be, we have looked at the functions of the legal section so that we can ensure that we can attract the best candidate but an interim replacement will be in place at least by the beginning of September which again will be an interim measure pending the permanent recruitment of a new position. So the resources of the service will not be diminished. Uh, Councillor Sell. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Just like to say that uh, Mr. Perry reminds me that he's the sole survivor of the senior management team of some 11 years ago, Chief Executive minus two, I think it was, uh, prior to yourself. So it does require a certain amount of stamina to have stuck it that long. Well done. Thank you. Councillor Oliver. Thank you, Chairman. I, the point I was going to pick up was our Chief Executive has said we're going to have a permanent replacement for Michael in, the, in September time, hopefully. Is that so? Because I'm concerned about some of the duties that have been passed from Michael to, the, uh, to Adrian Webb, which I'm referring to the control of the internal audit department. Now, if that is only going to be a temporary issue, then let it be. Otherwise, can we talk about it later? So apologies, members, if I wasn't clear. So uh, there will be an interim replacement for uh, Mr Perry starting at the beginning of September and indeed the transfer of the internal audit function pending the permanent replacement of Mr Perry and alternative arrangements will indeed temporarily sit and report to the Director for Corporate Services. But this will be a temporary uh, move for internal audit to report directly to Mr Webb. Uh, this is with... Mr Webb's uh, agreement and indeed with the external auditors so as a temporary uh, relocation there is no concern but that will not be its permanent position. You'll appreciate we have only just gone out to consultation with staff and therefore are unable to announce further changes. We will now move on to item 12, community government. Oh, sorry, <coughs> we do need to have a vote on number 11. So could I have, we have a proposer? We have Councillor Rolfe and Councillor Chambers. Second. We have a, a proposer and a second, so those in favour? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Now we'll now move on to community governance, and I call upon Councillor Howe. Thank you, Chairman. Councillors, uh, you've read the paper. The proposal is to agree to conduct a statutory review of parish arrangements in Little Canfield and Tateley, 
with particular reference to the Priors Green development, uh, and the review will be referred to the Electoral Working Group, of which I'm the chair, to, term, to determine the, uh, uh, the timing of the Community Governance Review, consider the options for any change, and to make recommendations. And within the narrative of the report, there's reasons for a second proposal, which is to approve... Uh, a, the conduct of a review of the parishes of Little Easton and Great, and Great Dunmo. Clearly this is a matter of particular concern, I think, to councillors Davy and Davis, um, Freeman and Foley, Jones, Riles and Gordon, but I would welcome the views of other councillors if they had them. Uh, but in the meantime, the recommendation is that it be referred to the Electoral Working Group. Thank you. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Chambers. All in favour? Thank you. Uh, we now move on then to uh, the 2018 review of parliamentary boundaries and I again call on Councillor Howell. Thank you, Chairman. I'm hoping this isn't going to be too controversial either. Uh, the Boundary Commission for England has announced the start of a review of parliamentary constituencies in England, uh, and there is a recommendation that the Electoral Working Group consider their initial proposals for the new parliamentary constituencies, which, is, which are due to be published on the 13th of September, and to prepare the Council's response. Thank you. Seconded, Councillor Chambers. All in favour? Thank you. Item 14. Uh, sorry? What's 13? Yeah, four, yeah, sorry, we have a slight disagreement here. Number 14, notice of a motion of a hate crime and tolerance, and I call upon councillors Morris and Light to speak. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I've put this, Councillor Light and myself have put this motion to Council um, in response to petitioning by residents um, via email and social media. I'm fairly certain that many other members will have received similar emails as well. Um, sadly, since the Brexit result was announced, nationally we have seen a 57% rise in hate crimes. Um, across the media, there has been numerous reports of ethnic minorities and immigrant families being targeted for abuse. And in fact, I have been made aware of a number of families within Saffron Walden who have also received um, some abuse. I'm very proud to live in a diverse and tolerant community, and we must stand together to show that hate crime has no place in Uttlesford. I would like you all to join me in assuring all members of our community that they are welcomed and valued by supporting this motion. Thank you. Councillor Light, did you wish to speak? Thank you. I would just wish to support the motion. I think it is self-explanatory. It says really what, um, what we feel the Council should stand for to support people uh, who are diverse and do what we can uh, to fight against hate and intolerance. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. The, um, the country was divided down the middle by the EU referendum. This seems to have resulted in a degree of intolerance of differing views, including the view that people should, not, should no longer hold differing views. 
Worst of all, there have been attacks on people whose national and or ethnic origins seem to differ from those making these attacks. I personally know a lady whose partner living in this district was insulted by another local resident and urged to return to his European country of origin. It has been plain to most people that fear of foreigners was, one, was stirred up by one side in, a partic in particular of the referendum, um, if debate is the right word. If here in Uttlesford we are to continue to prosper in whatever circumstances Brexit brings, then everyone must continue to live and work together for the common good, regardless of their national and ethnic origin. There is also a role for local community leaders like us to stand up against intolerance and to find out about community tensions that provoke unacceptable behaviour ranging from nuisance to hate and then to do what we can to address such community tensions. I urge all members to vote for the motion and to take all positive action that they can to deal with the problem. Thank you. Councillor Gordon. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Councillors Morris and Light for giving us the opportunity to uh, discuss this matter, which is very important. First and foremost, I hope I speak for everybody in this chamber, that we collectively condemn and challenge any form of hate crime, racism or xenophobia. Hate crime involves any criminal offence which is perceived by the victim or any other person to be motivated by hostility, prejudice based on a personal characteristic. We must continue to challenge hate crime and ensure that it is reported correctly to put a stop to it. Uttlesford District Council is a hate incident reporting centre. I'm told that we have no reports of any hate crime. The police have 13. So I'm a little upset that these incidents have not been reported to Uttlesford District Council. We have also, as a council, been involved in training and reporting procedures with the Citizens Advice Bureau and the police. We should challenge it, we should report it, and we should stop it. And that should be our main focus. Through our community safety partnerships, with the police and other voluntary organisations, we should develop community triggers and we should prevent this by challenging wrong attitudes and behaviours. I think we should continue to encourage the reporting of all forms of hate crime because that's how you stop it. As I said, Uttlesford is a reporting centre and we've no incidents reported. The police have 13 based on racial, four on disability, one on homophobic. 
Our officers could report in more detail on this than I. This motion does come to Council on honourable and well-founded beliefs. It comes protecting the rights of all and justice for all. But I have some concerns about the wording. Please hear my concerns in a constructive way. We talk about living in a tolerant society, whether it be national or in Uttlesford. Uttlesford is tolerant. Nationally, perhaps we're not. But we're discussing this, so we're not tolerant as a nation. The wording with regards to our country, I think, should be changed to community. Will we really allow any hate crime? Again, I'm not happy with the wording in that part of it. And part five of the, the motion also, we are actually doing something. We have our reporting centre. I think that we should continue to encourage reporting. We should assist and direct the victims so that statistics can be gathered by the organisations like the police so that something can be put in place. Before I came out this evening, um, you may not all know this, but my youngest son is mixed race and my partner comes from Sri Lanka. And I wanted to test their reaction. So I asked them. I read it out to them and I just said to them, to get their reaction. And they both said, do we have a problem in Uttlesford? They look concerned. And my reply to them is, compared to other places in Essex and the United Kingdom, we don't. My concern is the wording may well give the impression that Uttlesford has a problem that we need to address that we don't really have in the bigger picture. So that's my views. Uh, I hope you hear it constructively. It's just the wording of the motion that concerns me. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Gordon. Councillor Rolfe. Councillor Howell. Um, thank you, Chairman. Um, what I'm going to say is not really my story, but it's the story of somebody I'm very close to and I have witnessed at first hand. Um, my father-in-law uh, is what we would probably call a, an illegal immigrant now. In the 1950s, uh, he arrived in the UK on a boat, arrived at Tilbury, decided he rather liked the look of England and he slipped off the boat. Um, a few years later he married an English lady and 55 years ago my wife was born. Uh, now my father-in-law was a wonderful man. He promptly adopted an English name and I knew him always as Peter and he was an enormous character. He was the life and soul of every party. He had an immense sense of fun and enjoyment of life and he fell in love with England uh, and the English. He was an embodiment um, of all the things that, that I think we can be pleased with and celebrate. Um, I remember going to the pub with him once when I'd first met him and absolutely everybody knew him and he knew everybody. Um, and he was in, in many ways the embodiment of a comment that a friend of mine who lived in Scandi Scandinavia made. 
he said that in the country that he lived, um, the particular residents of that country quite liked immigration, but they didn't like immigrants. But Peter's experience was that the English don't really like immigration, but we do like immigrants. And I know that that's a, not always the way it comes across, but that for very many people is very much the experience. Um, but I would say that I am not blind to the challenges. Um, I am frequently, I'm afraid to say, repeatedly reminded of how unpleasant, unkind, and deeply insulting so many people are. I've never forgotten walking down the high street of a market town in Suffolk about 15, 16 years ago with two toddlers and my wife and somebody pulling up in their car, winding down the, the window and shouting the most foul abuse at us. And it wasn't at me, but it was at my daughters, it was at my wife, and I am constantly reminded of how deeply depressing vicious, unkind, and how it knocks your confidence and your sense of well-being, it strikes to the core of who you are as a person. And so I have absolutely no hesitation in endorsing this resolution. And I believe the sentiments that prompted it are entirely right. But having witnessed this, sadly, on too many occasions over 35 years, I feel some frustration and disappointment that it is linked to one event in the last month and a half. My wife's experience is by no means extreme compared to the experience of so many people, but she has experienced it far too frequently over the last 35 years for me to want it linked to one event alone. This is not something that has been prompted by a referendum on the 24th of June, there is sadly a minority in this country that we have to confront and to challenge, but we mustn't lose sight of the very, very good things that go on in our communities. The fact that for very, very many people, we work well as communities. We live together in harmony and in peace. We all get on, and it is a tiny, tiny minority that cause these problems. But I am not belittling it because, frankly, I've seen it far too many times. Councillor Asker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I just want to firstly support uh, the motion um, and pick up on a couple of comments. Um, Councillor Howell is absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, it's a minority in many walks of life that make life uncomfortable for some others. Um, and a comment that Councillor Gordon has made is that there are 13 so far reported incidents to our local police office, and that's 13 too many. So in whichever shape, way or form they come, that's 13 that we need to not have within our community. So I will be supporting this, whichever way, if it takes one or two words, to tweak it. Uh, Councillor Rolfe. Uh, and I will be supporting us as well. And I, you know, I agree with all the, the uh, speakers. I, I won't repeat it. But uh, I think the, the important thing to remember is that whilst it is a 
um, much less of a problem in Uttlesford than elsewhere. Um, that, nevertheless, um, uh, th- this is true of so many statistics, and I'll just extend the discussion slightly. At the um, LSP meeting, we had a presentation by Essex County Council, and we're given the statistics from a survey, albeit surveys don't give you the whole answer, but they give you uh, part of a picture. 18.3% of secondary pupils sometimes feel afraid to go to school because of bullying and the Essex average is 20.5. We have uh, domestic violence in Uttlesford. Again, not as bad as elsewhere, but we have it. Um, Just on the uh, point about secondary schools, um, the police are now employing civilian staff as opposed to police officers uh, to work with with, with schools, and and that's a key part of it. So um, we must continue to report... The police would not want us to sensationalise, but I don't think anybody's suggesting that. But we should, as you've all said, continue to report and recognise we're really lucky where we live, but you're only as good as tomorrow, not as yesterday. So stay vigilant in all aspects of unpleasant behaviour, obnoxious behaviour. And Councillor Howell gave a very uh, personal and uh, focused point on that. So I'm very pleased to support this motion. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Morris, have you any further comments you wish to make before we go to the vote? Um, No, thank you. Um, I appreciate what everybody has had to say um, and have been particularly touched by Councillor Howe's experiences. Um, I don't have any problem with any amendment that Councillor Gordon would wish to make. I, um, I don't know how we would go about doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Right, well, we have a proposer and a seconder, uh, so we'll go to the vote. All those in favour? Thank you. (coughs) Motion carried. Thank you. The next item we have is <coughs> notice of a motion establishing a youth council, and I call on councillors Fairhurst and Lodge. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Fellow councillors, the youth of today, and I can read it out for you, are unreliable, rebellious, undisciplined, and in fact disrespect the elders. They are not the kind of people we would entrust our futures to. These are not my words, these are the words of a Greek philosopher 2,500 years ago. But they sound remarkably modern. What it tells us, of course, is the more things change, the more things stay the same. What it also tells us, though, is that the chap writing that 2,500 years ago had no choice but to entrust his future to the young Greeks of his time. And look what that got them. Um, And we're in the same predicament. We have to entrust our futures to the youth of today regardless of who they may be. We're in the same dilemma, and we're making decisions here that affect our futures and theirs. I think each one of us here comes in good faith to look at issues like housing and jobs and the quality of the the environment with a keen eye on who is going to use it in the future. We're thinking about our children. I'm very fortunate because my daughter's upstairs, so I would talk really well. 
we all know what the children think. We know what their priorities are like. Um, I'm told a lot of us have either been or know someone who has been a child before. And we know that their priorities are more about hair gel and the type of hair they use or whether Jemima Smith likes somebody else. But in fact, when they get to 16, 17, 18 and 19, they're confronted with the same problems we're dealing with today. Are they going to find a job? Was their schooling adequate? Is there a space for them in university? Are they going to get a house? These are the issues we handle here in this, in this meeting. We make decisions for ourselves and we hope they're right. We hope they're right. We don't really have a chance to ask them because there's no forum for doing so. So what I'm suggesting is imagine for a moment all these tables filled with 16 smiling faces of people of 16, 17 and 18 taking things seriously, putting aside the hair gels and Jemima Smith and thinking about housing and about roads and about schooling and about safety and about hate crimes in a real pragmatic way and entrusting them to think these things through the right way. We have established here over many hundreds of years a democratic process which we cherish and hope to continually improve. We want to leave things better than they were. Imagine if we could do the same thing here in Uttlesford. Have a youth council where we can talk to people, engage them, and get them on board now so they can start getting involved in the process. I have been heartened by the response I've had so far. I've spoken to probably a dozen of you, and each one has come back and said, yes, it's a great idea. Different permutations, of course, this is politics. But everyone has said, this is a great idea, I endorse it, and the different versions are, but let's take it slowly, let's think about it, let's have a working group, there's a standard process, there's a commission. Carefully. I like careful. Careful is a good thing. But we find ourselves in an incredibly keen opportunity today. Today, better than ever before. I was reading a week ago that not in two generations in England have there, have there been as much fervour, as much interest in politics as there is now. There's a good chance that these 16-year-olds at school are actually discussing Brexit and Europe and our new Prime Minister or the new head of the opposition, whoever they may turn out to be. In fact, if there even is one or whether the, 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 the Trump factor is at issue, whatever it is. It's exciting times for politics. And as we all know, the young people, one month is a long time, a lot longer than it is for me. I think we were talked about, we are, we are living well here. There's something mentioned previously by our, our leader who said, in the local, local strategic partnership, we want to live well. This is what living well is all about. It's understanding your future, planning and making plans for the future so that you can live well when you get older. We want to hand, we want to pass the baton to these people, maintain the continuity of this process, not wait until they turn 34, 35, 36 and decide, well, yeah, I probably should step up and do something. Let's engage them now. Putting it off is losing the advantage. There are two things happening. I mean, I thought about it a year ago, I thought it would be a wonderful idea, great ideas, but how do we get from there to here? It's fairly complex. You've got to bring them, you've got to find them, they've got to want to be involved, you've got to engage the process, you've got to have elections, it's a democratic thing, tough but it has to be done. Um, and eventually you end up with the right people. How do we get there? And it's quite a daunting job, except for one thing. I bumped into a number of people. There's a chap called Sam and a, and, and a girl called Christine and a chap called John. These people are involved already in this process. I didn't know it, but there's a youth council in Essex. Working. People, young people get there and they discuss these very things. So this is not something new for them. We're not, this is not leading edge chaps. We are playing catch up. We're playing catch up. We're supposed to have sent four delegates to this council. We haven't done so. You know, hang your heads in shame. 
but how do we, what does it look like? What are we going to achieve? What is the model we're going to find? We've got to work out something exclusive for Huddlesford. Well, you know what it also, there also is? There's a model out there that I think was circulated by Peter Snow with regard to a, the Harlow um, Young Council, Youth Council. It's been going for 12 plus years and very well, I'm told, it's extremely positive. They, they arrive on time, they do their meetings publicly and private, they're, they're, they're subcommittees and they look, handle all sorts of a range of issues. They're being engaged, they're being informed, they're being mentored as we speak. And the lady from Harlow said, you know what we'll do? We've been used as a model for a number of your surrounding councils. We'll be the model for you as well. Now, I'm not saying let's take Harlow and just impose it. We want to be different, we want to be slightly better. I think it sounds like a beer commercial. But at the end of the day, we want to have the ideal, the best youth council that Uttlesford can get. So start with a template. Start with something that Harlow can do for us. At the moment, I'm advised that the Essex County Council has to go through a hustings process in Saffron Walden and Dunmo in September and October. It's happening now. They've got to find these four delegates for the, the Essex County Council. So here's an opportunity for us to piggyback on that process and at the same time end up with our own council. It's an opportunity not to miss. I'd like you to start, stop by saying, let's do it now. Let's not postpone and let's not find a, a commission of inquiry. Let's just say yes to the process. Sounds like a biscuit vote, but here's the point. I want to just repeat what, what Councillor Rolf said. Let's be full-blooded. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Fairhurst. Uh, Councillor Lodge, are you seconding this motion? Yes, I will. Um, I'll speak later, if I may. Very good. Any other comments? Councillor Rolf. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm going to propose an amendment. Um, I, I don't uh, disagree with anything you've said, uh, but um, we've seen from the paper and we've heard from yourself that this is not a simple solution. Um, and there's, a, there's quite a lot of old people telling young people what to do. You're going to have a youth assembly. They may want a youth assembly, but we don't know that. So everybody in this room is committed to listening to their constituents of whatever age, and that particularly the young. There might be a whole host of stuff out there that they want to engage with us on. And uh, we're, you, pers personally, I'm absolutely up for that. You, you talk about the Essex Council, and you know, I think we've got to ask the question, why haven't the schools put forward names in the past? Is it interest? I don't know. But um, very keen to find ways of engaging with the young. A, a youth assembly is only part of it. Those who want to go into that kind of debating scenario that you talk about, mainly uh, uh, sick formers at school, that's fine, but there are a lot of other people. What about the Essex Boys and Girls Clubs? What about the youth clubs? What about the sports clubs? Don't they have a voice? So what do they want? Um, you know, do the, people, the young people in South Walden, are they simply aching for a nightclub? What are you going to do about that when they ask for it? So, and what are you going to do about anything when they ask for it? So we've really got to think through how we deal with this. So all I'm suggesting is that we are a little bit more considered with respect because your paper included people, resource, so where are they coming from? Uh, it included money, where's that coming from? Now we might be able to find it, but we've got to, you know, we've got to take this in slightly more detail with respect than tonight we're going to set up a youth assembly, bingo. So what I'm proposing is that this council supports engagement with all residents, including with young people, to better understand how that engagement with young people might be carried out 
a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to Council with initial recommendations at the October Council meeting, which is on the 18th. So we're not going to shove this into the long grass. There might be a, a real point here that we can take forward, but we just need to give it a bit more consideration. I so propose the amendment. Thank you. Is there a seconder? Councillor Chambers. Councillor Chambers. Councillor Chambers, are you seconding that amendment? I am, Mr Chairman, and I'll allow that to speak if I may. You want to speak? Yep. Please. Um, Chairman, uh, members, it, it's very difficult, and I, I thank Councillor Fairhurst for a very passionate speech, which I fully understand. I've tried this in the past, and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. Like everything else, and you get things wrong and you get things right. I'm all in favour of engaging with young people, just the same as I am with anybody of any age or ethnic mi uh, uh, minority or whatever it is. I like to talk to them, listen to what they have to say. One of the difficulties with when, when you go and talk to younger people is some are very involved and understand politics, but the majority of them, just like the majority of the population, don't really understand politics. That might, might be controversial to say that, but it's the truth. But what I would say about young people is we do need to engage them. But we don't need to actually, as the leader was just saying, raise their expectations to something we cannot achieve. We need to have a dialogue with them so that they can understand what we might be able to do for them and some of the things that we might not be able to do for them. Because if you raise people's expectations and then it all dis disappears, they will become very, very dis disillusioned and you will defeat your object. So I think what the leader is proposing is an excellent idea and let's hope that we can move forward positively to help young people in exactly the same way as we want to help all members of the community. Thank you, Chairman. Councillor Asker, did you want to speak in regard to the amendment or in regard to the original proposal? I'll come back to you then later. Any other, anybody else wish to speak on the amendment? Councillor Dean. I was aware that um, Councillor Rolf wanted to put a, an amendment, um, although I didn't know what the wording was, and I'd like to come back to one particular aspect of it. I mean, I can see the point about... <laughs> Well, no, I, I come at this from let's talk to young people and find out what would work for them before we establish any or, or make a definitive decision on what to set up. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's my main approach uh, in the same way as when we thought that there was a need for a, a new young people's gathering place in Stansted. We talked to them we gave them an idea and they said our idea, our idea was daft and they came up with something cheaper and better or more suited their expectations. Um, so, but coming to the amendment, 
This says something along the lines of this council supports engagement with all people, including young people. Now that's thrown me completely because um, last uh, Thursday evening I attended um, a somewhat difficult meeting of the Constitution Working Group um, and there we were talking about how we were going to uh, engage with the, the voting age um, members of the community as a success, well not just as a successor to area forums but that will be part of it and we decided to reinstate or revive, bring back to life a working group that was, um, uh, that was set up 13 months ago. So, well, the first thing is we were, I wouldn't want to see something that goes on for 13 months and Councillor Rolf has said October, but, but hold on, if we're already talking about, if we've already got something going talking about the general population, we don't want to hijack the whole thing or, or bring the whole thing together. So I think that needs sorting out. And perhaps I, if I could leave it at that, that I'm confused by why we are suddenly talking about the whole population rather than just lung people, because I think it's important that we do do that. And I prefer the original motion to one that confuses it. Thank just, you. just on a point of clarification, um, I, I could have missed out that uh, supports engagement with all residents, uh, but it was just to put the thing in context. I, didn't, you, you know, I don't want the general public to think that we only engage with young people, or, notwithstanding that's very important. So I take your point, Councillor Dean, uh, but uh, this, this is specifically about engaging with young people. And of course, one would expect that working group to come back with recommendations that they had discussed with young people. The whole object is not for old people to tell young people what they want and need. So that would be very much part of it. Uh, I don't really want to go down tonight the, work, the Constitution Working Group meeting that you uh, talk about. That is a, an important piece of work, but with respect, it is a separate piece of work. This is, this is in response to, uh, you know, very helpful it's been brought to our attention about engagement with young people. It's a perfectly legitimate point to raise. There are some practical issues with the motion and I'm trying to find a way that we can have that engagement um, and, and do it quite smartly um, and then clearly the council will have to take forward. Those will be initial recommendations. I don't suppose it's the answer to the whole point but uh, at least it will start us off. And, and my other point is that it doesn't interrupt those hustings. If, if those hustings in schools can still go ahead to take part in the Essex Council. Any other comments in regard to the amendment? Councillor Fairhouse, thank you. Yes, I may, Mr Chairman. Um, I like the idea of October. It's better than, better than, than November. Um, and I like very much the cross-party process. I think these are very important. We want engagement as a group, as a, as a council, not as any particular party. Um, I, think, I think the concept of engaging all residents, I think we all certainly hope that this council really engages all our residents. Um, the problem is, in fact, that people under a certain age are being ignored at the moment. I'd like to take a point of what was said before in the corner there, um, that you quite right, children don't understand politics. That's why I'm suggesting it. They don't understand politics. And in fact, when people don't understand something, that's when expectations get raised and get disappointed. We who sort of understand how the machine, well, I'm starting to understand how the machine works, start limiting our expectation based on reality and pragmatism. And that's good. So when you actually engage people, you actually solve your problem. So you're absolutely right. That's why I'm proposing we have this. My, I have no major issue with any amendment as long as we get the thing through. But provided we have a clear objective at the end that we're actually going to establish something that engages the people. I also, you know, there's a comment made, they may want a nightclub. Um, and 
a very valid point. What about the chaps who are not at schools who are also residents of Atlas? And that's, that's the whole point. Yes, in Harlow they use the schools because they're wonderful reservoirs of people to access them. But my daughter doesn't go to school. She lives here, but she doesn't go to school. She goes to school in Cambridge. But she's adamant she wants to be involved in the process. And why shouldn't she be? So yes, we need to engage with all the young people in, in the district in a way that, in, in, that informs them of politics, sets expectations, and listens to their process. And if they want nightclubs, let's discuss it rather than not let sweep it on the table. These are issues that affect us and them as well. So if we can come to an amendment that talks exclusively to young people that has an, out, an, an, an outcome based in October, as you say, we could definitely parallel the process of the hustings so that we can still take advantage of, of, of Essex support and, and, and they've, they've offered us both in Essex and Harlow have offered us support um, in terms of resources to get there we don't miss the bus by waiting till October but if we can get those, those creatures sorted out I think I would, I would still like to propose that this is, this, is, this is carried as a motion thank you Councillor Rolf do you wish to read through that again Yep. So the first sentence is a statement. This council supports engagement with all residents, including with young people. My amendment is, to better understand how that engagement with young people might be carried out, a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to council with initial recommendations at the October council meeting, which is on the 18th. All those in favour? Those against? None. Councillor Asker, did you wish to speak on the substantive motion? That is the substantive motion. Councillor Asker, did you wish to speak? Thank you. It's just, first of all, contrary to popular belief, um, some slightly more mature people might like to see a nightclub around Saffron Warden as well. Um, and also, some grown-ups don't always understand politics either. Um, but what I'd like to say is about, um, with regard to um, the Youth Assembly, in a similar vein, uh, when my daughter was at school, she was involved in a school council. And it was very important to those individuals to have a say as to how they operated, uh, to have a group of people to um, talk to and to stand up for, for others. Um, I just see this as the notice of the motion is to approve the establishment of a youth assembly to the Uttlesford District Council. I think it would be really important to have a younger group that would be invited to perhaps shadow us if that's uh, the, the thought that's behind the process. Um, and I think it's important to be able to welcome um, much younger people, 15 and 16 year olds, into the offices of UDC and into this chamber to see how things work so that they too can move forward. So that's really what I wanted to say. So there's, there's quite a lot there. There's lots of work to be done, I'm absolutely sure, but much sooner rather than later. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Councillor Dean. I think there is a, a degree of uncertainty about where we are in the process. 
by some members. As I understand it, we've just voted on an amendment which hasn't yet been put as a substantive motion. Um, I w I'm not sure whether the original proposers were totally happy with the wording and whether they might make, wish to make an amendment to the amendment before it's put as a substantive motion. In, in that, for instance, it doesn't include talking to young people as part of this working group's process. Just as an example. I'm going to ask the uh, Chief Executive to uh, speak on this. So Councillor Fairhurst had proposed an original motion. Councillor Rolfe had proposed an amendment and that amendment was carried and therefore that becomes a substantive motion which is this council supports engagement with all residents including with young people. To better understand how that engagement with young people might be carried out, a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to Council with initial recommendations at the October Council meeting. That is the substantive motion on which those people who have not spoken to the original motion can speak unless they want to make an amendment. There appear to be no other speakers, so uh, Councillor Thank you. So, do I understand correctly that we can propose an amendment? Thank you. So, to the, to the amended, now substantive motion, um, we'd like to add the establishment of a youth assembly. And as, as the key objective, it's very important, Council, that we actually open our doors and we listen to young people and we share with them the policies that are being developed here. They have a voice, they have a right to be heard and they have, I'm sure, a lot of ideas. And I would really like to explore very deeply the, and to see the Council establish the means uh, for the young people to communicate directly with council. Thank you. So can I ask, what is the amendment? With the objective of establishing, to add, with the objective of establishing the youth assembly. Thank you. Uh, is there a seconder to that motion? Uh, Councillor Fairhurst. Councillor Ranger, you wanted to speak? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, in respect of the amendment to the substantive motion, uh, I can't see where that's getting us. Um, it's, it's actually prejudicing the work because if the young people don't want a youth assembly, that will come out in the chats we have with them. If they do, then that's the proposal we bring forward. But you cannot include it in the motion because it is a direction. Thank you. Councillor Dean. I'd like to speak to the amendment to the new substantive motion. <laughs> I think. Um, would it not be would it be acceptable to the proposer of the latest amendment for the wording to be something along the lines of the, the task of the working group 
uh, includes talking I'm to... I'm sorry, Mr. Dean, I'm going to have to stop you there. I think we, we need to stick to the original... No, I'm speaking... We need to consider this amendment first before... Which is what I'm com- yes, I'm speaking to that. Okay. I'm, I'm speaking to that and, and suggesting that, uh, in, well, in, t- in intending to vote against this amendment to suggest to the proposer of the amendment that if it were to say something along the lines of the working group or whatever it was called, includes discussing with young people various mechanisms for their involvement, including the possibility of a youth council, then that includes the words but doesn't make it the, the expected out, necessarily the expected outcome. Thank you. I think we can let that... Uh, <coughs> 11 of the Constitution, please, and ask the question. Thank you. We are going to vote on the question of putting the vote, putting the question... If I can try and help you, Chairman, um, we've, we've, we've uh, taken a sub- the amendment to the substantive motion, voted on it, and that's gone through. It's, it's a cross-party group. With respect, without giving them exact instruction of who they've got to talk to about what, if they're worth their salt, they'll do all the things you want them to do. So it's implicit in the working group talking to young people. So I just suggest that we take that now as a substantive motion, go on with it. And the procedure is, if, if the motion is proposed that the question now be put, if you think it's been sufficiently discussed, you put the procedural motion to the vote. So the question to be put, this is the motion that you, with the amendment as proposed by Councillor Light. So this council supports engagement with all residents, including with young people. To better understand how that engagement with young people might be carried out, a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to council with initial recommendations at the October council meeting with the objective of establishing a youth council. Yes, no, this is her amendment. Okay, right. So that's the amendment we're voting on. I mean, with respect, we're going around in circles here. Um, the whole purpose of my amendment was that we were not specifically directing. It might well be there is an assembly, but that has got to be the outcome of a process. That's the amendment which we need to put to the vote. We are now going to go to the vote on the amendment... With the, objective with, the objecti- with the objective of, s- of establishing a youth council. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we're voting for. You suggest we send the recording of this meeting to the youth assembly. They won't hear your bit. <laughs> right. We have to vote on that amendment. Right, I'm asking for a vote now on this amendment, which has just been read. So those in favour of it... 
Councillor Barker, could you read out again which amendment to which amendment we're voting on, please? It is the amendment to the substantive motion which is with the objective of establishing a youth council. So to better understand how engagement with young people might be carried out, a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to council with initial recommendations in October with the objective of establishing a youth council. That was the amendment that Councillor Light requested. Those in favour? And those against? Seventeen, Chairman. So That's failed. We return to the substantive motion. We now return to the substantive uh, motion. And do we want to read it out again? Councillor Chambers. Councillor Chambers. Mr Chairman, I would just request that we do put that to the vote now, please. <coughs> Could I request a recorded vote, please, Chairman? Right. Uh, I'm now going to call to, uh, call to vote on the substantive motion. Those in favour? Sorry. Thank you. I'm going to ask the Chief Executive to read it one more time before we actually go through the vote. Thank you. So the, the motion now stands, this council supports engagement with all residents, including with young people. To better understand how that engagement with young people might be carried out, a cross-party working group will be established and will report back to council with initial recommendations at the October council meeting at the 18th. Thank you. Members, I call your name to indicate clearly whether you vote for, against, or abstain on the motion. Councillor Artis. Councillor Asker. Councillor G. Barker. Councillor S. Barker. Councillor Chambers. Councillor Davy. For. Councillor Davies. Councillor Dean. Councillor Fairhurst. Councillor Felton. Councillor Foley? Councillor J. Freeman? Councillor R. Freeman? Councillor Gleeson here. Councillor Gleeson? Councillor Gordon? Councillor Hargreaves? Councillor Harris? Councillor Hicks? Councillor Howell? Councillor Jones? Councillor Light? Water down, but four. Councillor Lodge? Four. Councillor Mills? Four. Councillor Morris? Four. Councillor Oliver? Four. Councillor Parr? Four. Councillor Parry? Four. Councillor Ranger? Four. Councillor Redfern? Four. Councillor Rolf? Four. Councillor Sell? Four. Councillor Wells? Four. That's unanimous, Chairman. Thank you.
microphone. I do beg your pardon. So, having no further urgent business, I declare the meeting closed. Thank you very much. It's not bad actually, half past nine.